Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisan. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trends, practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisan. Hi, everybody, and welcome to uh, the latest episode of the Third Fridays podcast, May of 2023. And uh, my name is Christian Cisan, returning back for you with another month. Uh, this time we have a very, very special guest, uh, even more special than uh, one of the top attorneys in my firm, Jeremy Janis. Uh, we have Michael DeGinto from PepsiCo Frito Lay to talk about uh, what we experienced uh, a couple of weeks ago at CompCon. So Mike, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for agreeing to be on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite and I appreciate the perfect pronunciation of my last name on the first try, Christian. That's good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You and my father are the same. You know, with a last name like CSUN, you can imagine how many different types of pronunciations there are. Uh, And uh, I believe it was maybe my like middle school principal that did it on the first try. And I I believe my dad wanted to marry her uh, (laughs) on on first uh, uh, sight. Um, But Mike, why don't you go into like what 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 your position is at PepsiCo Frito-Lay, uh, you know, how that, um, uh, you know, how that role affects what we do for, for defense. And uh, we'll go into CompCon and, and, and lead it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, just as a brief introduction, uh, you know, technically my role position is called a senior leave supervisor. Uh, but the reality is I just manage the workers' comp and disability programs uh, for uh, PepsiCo and Frito-Lay. So we have a department that's called Leave and Liability Management. And just like it says in the name, we manage our leaves and then we manage liability. So I'm on the leave team, which is, you know, uh, medical leaves, disability, primarily workers' compensation. So uh, my program kind of works with the company, works with our defense counsels and works with our TPA, Sedgwick, to make sure that we're managing our work claims of work comp claims effectively, uh, but also being mindful of how the business operates, how the business runs, because, you know, what might bring value to one business and in, in, uh, industry might be kind of, kind of totally different in another industry and business. So our job is to really learn the business, but also learn and understand the laws of workers' compensation and make sure that they're, you know, working, in gener- working together synergistically so that we can have the greatest outcomes possible for our employees and the company. Yeah. And, and so, Jeremy, to kind of bring it to you, right? Welcome back to the show. First of all, uh, you know, you've worked with Mike for, uh, years now in in these, uh, Pepsi and Frito-Lay claims. Uh, how, how has Mike's role helped us defend those claims in terms of the assistance that, that he provides? So he pretty much helps move the claims along. So as soon as we get a claim, he helps us outreach to the witnesses. He helps us get every piece of information that we need, whether it's a personnel file, it's a first report of injury, whether it's something from the disability claim, anything that will help us defend the claim, he assists in that process. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I see that happening a lot in our uh, workers' compensation defense claims, where uh, typically speaking, the the way that the claim being is being handled has has shifted more from a uh, more from you know a one to one where maybe either the attorney or the adjuster is handling everything and directing traffic to more a collaborative effort where we can see everybody's opinion really count. 
towards getting to a shared goal. Uh, would you agree or disagree, Mike? I completely agree. Um, you know, I've been in work on workers' compensation for, for many years now. And um, I think that to the biggest point, just to bring it back to what I said earlier is, you know, we all want to mitigate exposure and have the best outcome. But again, it's how does it really fit in with the company and our company? You know, we run a lot of logistics and manufacturing and free to lay. And, you know, the reality is our truck drivers or supervisors, they don't know anything about workers comp. So to leave it all up to them to communicate with the TPA and the attorneys, um, you know, they're really lost and they, they uh, are eager for the support from us to kind of break it down layman's terms and help them, you know, reach a goal that's a lot simpler than they think it is. That's true too. Very helpful for us because I think sometimes the default is to throw around these legal terms when it's easier when someone like you is in the picture because it forces us to step out of those lawyer shoes and actually interact with the people on site at location in a way that they can understand why we're there, right? I can imagine how scary it must be for, uh, you know, uh, an employee at a location to just get a call from us and say, you know, what, oh, yeah. you know, can I speak to you? And then, you know, everybody, even I, if I were to get a call from an attorney that I didn't know, I'd be like, what, what did I do wrong? <laughs> right. So I think that's been a very big boon to this whole communication process. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, just on that topic alone, I know I can remember a certain situation where I think I was out of the office for a few days and uh, our adjuster gave Jeremy the green light to call a bunch of witnesses and immediately my phone starts blowing up that attorneys are calling, you know, shut your phone off, don't answer, we got to talk to Mike DeGento. So exactly, they don't know who you are, they get scared when they see attorneys are calling and they don't want to get them in trouble or get the company in trouble or they don't even understand why you're reaching out. So just to bridge the gap of communication, really make sure that it's more effective and, and you guys are getting all the information you need from, from the location. Right. And seeing that we aren't, you know, the big bad monsters that they think we are, we're just friendly faces, just like, you know, everyone else. Uh, but, you know, speaking of uh, bridging the gap, how, how do we how did we get to CompCon? Like, what is it? And exactly why, why did you guys believe there was a need for it uh, in the first place? Great question. So. Just as a, you know, obviously a little background, CompCon just stands for Compensation Conference, right? Workers' Compensation Conference. So that was our little coined, you know, short-term nickname for it. Um, and basically what it was was, you know, we felt that it was valuable to get all of the stakeholders within our workers' compensation program, not only just our team, the leaving liability management team, but we, we leaned on our environmental health and safety team, our EHS team. We have all of our defense attorneys like yourself in attendance across the whole country, um, as long as they have a certain amount of cases on their desk, right? Um, we had um, a lot of our medical vendors that we utilize and help with uh, help our TPA with the scheduling and of, of medical appointments for those jurisdictions where we do direct care. So you saw a little bit from one call medical um, and they're taking over a lot of our diagnostics and PT stuff. And then I think we, who else did we speak with? Um, there was Chuck King from command um, who, who is, uh, I think, a, you know, a PI uh, vendor who talked a little bit to you guys about kind of the services that he utilizes with more with the TPA. And then there was our on-site healthcare. So we have uh, partnerships with Pivot On-Site Innovations. Now, 
now I think is called Athletico. So we have athletic trainers that we have for our employees across the country in different locations that kind of support them on site from an ergonomic standpoint and a first aid standpoint. And then we have on site uh, clinics through Johns Hopkins University, which we're really fortunate to have at a lot of our locations. And those are on site nurse practitioners that again see our employees when they are injured and they can help expedite the referral process, the treatment process. Um, so the idea is we have all of these different stakeholders within our program having their hands on our claim, whether at some point throughout the life of a claim, we wanted to get everyone in one room and just kind of recalibrate um, after COVID and all the changes we've seen in the labor market. And I'm sure you've seen in uh, from a work comp standpoint as well, since 2019, we felt that there was going to be great value in just getting everybody together, recalibrate a little bit as to what our goals are and what our big pushes are going into the next few years. Um, and I think you guys saw that above all, you know, despite all the content that was presented and delivered and consumed, and I think just the social interaction and getting everybody together, um, you know, putting a face with a name again, since COVID, a lot of people have been via Zoom and email. So just getting everyone together post pandemic to, uh, you know, see some new faces, meet some people we haven't met in person before and, and uh, re-strengthen those old relationships. I think it goes a long way, especially with how much communication back and forth we all have throughout managing these claims. So yeah, that's the gist of it, I would say. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point because in most conferences that we attend, there's this issue almost of, you know, whose clients are yours and whose are mine. And we want to impress everybody that we meet and network. And when we go to this this uh, this conference of all the National Defense Council for PepsiCo and Frito-Lay, it's like we all won, right? Like we're, we're in the winner's circle. We don't have to steal from anybody. We don't have to like re-network. It's actually the shared community of information that makes everybody better. So I thought that was something that I noticed right off the bat. I don't know if Jeremy, you had the same feeling or, or any type of um, takeaway from, from that type of aspect. I definitely did. If I felt like a truly part of a team and that we were all in this together. We all could share information. We all felt like we were working towards the same goal. Right. Like even some of the attorneys that were in other states that we don't practice law in to see, oh, well, this is how it would play out in that forum. It actually made sense to say, okay, well, this stuff's important to us, but maybe not to you guys. Right. And then maybe they have information that they don't use that is valuable to us in New York and New Jersey. Certain certain aspects were very interesting to see. But if we talk about like maybe the speeches and, and the lectures that were given by some of the stakeholders you mentioned, Mike, Jeremy, what would you say was maybe one of the big, uh, you know, takeaways that we got from maybe an operational perspective within PepsiCo Frito-Lay? Well, I think one of the biggest things was how much uh, energy and effort goes into prevention of, of uh, injuries at Frito-Lay. And Pepsi um, talked about all the preventative measures that are taken, inclu including the use of very new technology in trying to win injuries, trying to make things easier ergonomically for the claimants, and trying to make them do as little work as possible that's stressful on their bodies. Yeah, it's true. that They saw us. I, know, I guess maybe if some people took pictures, they saw us doing these stretches that I hope don't get out into, uh, you know, the public sphere of me looking like I'm, you know, stretching into, you know, the, the nether world. But um, 
Mike, can you can you talk a little bit about that? Like the safety prevention and using the technology, do you find that maybe it's resulted in less injuries or less claims being filed? Uh, because that was something that we were very excited to see that, you know, a lot of these allegations that the employees make as far as their work accidents can't possibly happen if we're making their jobs easier for them by investing in technology. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jeremy, that he makes. And we were really happy to have our EHS partners there. Um, and to be honest, they could have done three days of presentation themselves. So I think it would have been good to give them a little bit more time. But you guys know how rushed it was. But to be completely upfront, yeah, I am super proud of our safety program. I don't know of a lot of companies that invest as much money and as m many personnel into safety. Um, so there's, they're constantly working to engineer out any of the dangers focusing on ergonomics, that repetitive task. How can we make it easier for our employees? And, you know, they're always coming up with creative ideas. They have the uh, mantra beyond zero, which is, you know, you know, obviously from a safety perspective, you want zero injuries. And that's what most safety programs goals are. But the goal of PepsiCo safety is beyond zero injuries. And even though that's what we're working towards to have zero injuries for employees, even if we got there, what would the next step look like? Uh, and it, it's a lot about care and concern and promoting a very safe environment. And at the end of the day, it's, it's almost something you wish some of the judges could see because it's just good for you guys to know that you're right. When you have a, a claimant testifying that they're making me do crazy things or making it seem like it's a, you know, a labor workshop, it's the reality of it isn't like that. I mean, we don't want anyone getting hurt. We don't want anyone being overworked. And we put a lot of money and technology into listening to our employees and, and innovating in ways that we can you know do whatever we can to, to work out those, those dangerous situations. So um, I was really glad that you guys get to see it because, again, I think it's more just to show you guys how hard we do work to protect our employees and to prevent them. Um, so it helps you guys get a little bit of a background when you're going into the fence, you know, when they're saying, Hey, I had to lift 500 cases of dip at once. It's like, wait a minute, that shouldn't be allowed. And I know you have all this technology and the lift, the lift gates and that kind of stuff. So, um, I was happy to have them present. I think it, it speaks a lot to the company. Yeah, maybe you feel like a little kid almost watching how the trucks move, right? And just like seeing exactly how much weight is being used by the mechanisms in place as opposed to just manual labor, right? And the employees that we would see, you know, handling the trucks, driving the trucks, seeing them understand the safety protocol was something very refreshing too because you can tell that there's a very educational uh investment in making sure that if you're going to be an employee here, you're responsible for knowing all the protocol and making sure, you know, that you have a responsibility to keep not only yourself safe, but your coworkers and people in line at the location that puts everybody on the same plane. Exactly. Yeah. They take it really seriously. I know you guys got to see, we had some of our employees come and kind of show us the trucks and the technology, but one of the employees who was there had just celebrated, I think they mentioned 2 million miles, 2 million miles driven. That was insane to me. Unbelievable. And they say, um, that takes about 20 years, about a decade per million miles for these guys. So when you think about driving for 20 years, without an incident, not only what does that mean to the company and, and obviously our assets and our employees, but what does that mean to the community that they can trust these free to lay guys out? And, you know, what does it mean to the people who are picking up their kids from elementary school at three o'clock when our trucks are still on the road? So it just speaks a lot to that. We do have people within the company that really care and are, and are, you know, uh, committed to safety, not only for our employees, but for the community. So it was really good to see. I had heard that we celebrated, 
I think four four million milers this year. Oh no, wow! Not at our event, but when you put that forty million—that's forty years almost, or four million, not forty million, excuse me—but still, forty years of safe driving is, uh, you know, it's it's not an accident, it's not a you know circumstance or coincidence, I should say. It's these guys and gals are really dedicated and they put safety first. And it goes to show you, you know, we do have employees who. How can you have employees that drive 40 million miles without an accident and a guy who's got six MVAs in three months? Right, like, right. Really taking safety seriously because I think it just proves that the safety team is giving the training and providing the tools to get the job done safely. And, that's, and accidents do happen. but To that point, if that guy or gal who is driving 4 million miles then has an accident – Right. Jeremy is probably telling you, you know, that's probably compensable. Right. They've been oh, safe yeah. for 40 years there. They may not tr- be trying to put a fast one b- by you. Right. Jeremy, like, I, I mean, if you're getting that claim and you see, oh, he's a four million miler. Right. Like, yeah. Pay him out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could you have to look at the claim as complete history. And that's absolutely Jeremy. If you had any. um suggestions or, or or how we would use some of that inputs those inputs or 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 facts to use in our our current claims what what would they be how would how would we use those operational uh information points uh, to help defend pepsico and frito-lay so i think one of the big things we saw like you said before was uh seeing the trucks in action right seeing how a lot of it was mechanical now. Uh, a lot of these accidents allegedly happen on these ramps where the claimant brings the forklift down, walking up and down the ramp. But now you have these manual, these trucks that do it themselves. Essentially, they go up and down just by a lever, and all they really have to do is open a latch, and they're able to get on the ground. There's not much required there. So seeing, like, in person what happens and how these trucks work is really going to be helpful in defending these claims because I now know, like, from firsthand knowledge, how these things work, and I can tell them when they're full of it, essentially. And imagine the terminology, too, right? When the claimant is on the stand saying, well, they make me do this, they make you do that, and then we start using the terminology that you and uh, the drivers use, they're going to be sitting back and saying, oh, they actually know my job. I can't make stuff up to impress the judge about how hard my job is. I think that's like a very useful tool. Uh, but Mike, just on, on behalf of, of, of Jeremy, like we wanted to thank you for inviting us out. I think it was such a very, very informational experience for us, uh, you know, just to see how the other half lives, right? How the sausage is made, so to speak, really put us in a different world. And so we just wanted to thank you personally, not just for, uh, you know, coming on today and talking about it, but but inviting us out there it was really great. Oh, absolutely. We really appreciate you guys make, you know, taking the time of your schedule to fly down and be there with us in person. Like I said, it means a lot. And I think just, uh, you know, I had never met Jeremy in person before, but what was it last week, Jeremy? I texted you or messaged you and said, I need, you know, I need you available right now for the call. Yeah. For that witness that we or we talked to HR about this this claim, we ended up accepting it. But just meeting Jeremy in person and having that personal connection, obviously, I'm not going to make a habit of calling Jeremy on the spot last minute. But just having that comfortability to be like, you know what, let me just reach out to Jeremy and see if he's available right this second. Uh, and we were able to get on the call and and you know talk it through. And ultimately, I believe we accepted the claim. So. There's so much good content there, but also just to meet everyone in person, make those connections. I think it's going to make communication and, uh, you know, much 
swifter and more effective moving forward with everyone. So, Well, it doesn't hurt when you call Jeremy up to the podium in front of National Council and give him an award uh, to say how great, <laughs> right? It, it makes a little bit uh, of a nicer relationship. Not to say that Jeremy wouldn't have been there for you otherwise, but uh, that was great for us to see as well. Uh, I remember I actually took a picture, sent it through to our entire firm, and it was just such a great sight for all of us to really come together. So um, thanks again. Uh, if you have any other conferences that you want us to invite us to, that that would always be great. We're going to bother you to go on a route too, by the way, because we want to we yeah. want to do that as well. I really want to get you guys in a plant. As I say, I'm going to look at your location. There's some northern New Jersey bottling facilities, um, but to be honest, the Frito Lay facilities where they make the chips, and I mean, you see the potatoes come in the one door and the chips come out the other. It's really amazing, and uh, it. We have defense counsel come through. I just was down in Lynchburg with my Virginia defense, Dale, and, you know, he was so happy to go through the plant and see it in person. Because like you said, the jargon that they use in the plant, I was using the, you know, whatever they're using. And you're like, well, I don't even know what that is or what it looks like. So it's hard. You know, it's almost like reading a fiction book and trying to create it in your mind. But we'll get we'll get you guys into a plant as soon as we can. I'll, I'll get up there and hopefully it'll, it'll add a whole nother layer to uh, kind of, you know, seeing behind the scenes how things are made. All right. So for Mike DeGinto and Jeremy Janis, uh, my name is Christian Cisan, reminding you guys to defend from day one. We'll be back with the Paralegal Minute. And we're back with the Third Fridays podcast. We're on the brink of laughing. So just get it out, guys, if you really feel okay. you just okay. need to get out. It's no, okay. Good. It's okay. I'm good. The listeners will feel like you're more of like human beings. Yeah. So it's okay. okay. Not uh, robots. So we're back. It's the Paralegal Minute, and I'm welcoming Marquita Joseph back to the show. Hi. And newcomer on the show, Julia Prisco. Hey. How do you guys feel about doing this? A little nervous? A little excited, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I'm just not sure how much of myself I can be <laughs> on the podcast. We want all of yourself okay. on the podcast. All right. Uh, especially because you're a big part of this book. True. Right? True. So, co-founder. Co-founder of the book. Right? <laughs> like collecting royalties from uh, Amazon and anybody who publishes it. So we talked about it last month with uh, Tomer Lair and Alexa Cintron. It's called 3,000 Questions About Me. And, you know, uh, Julie is all about justice for paralegals. So I truly got, am. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, I don't want to say jealous or upset, but she was just like, give me my shine, yo. Right? <laughs> so can you remind our listenership what this book is about, maybe? So originally the book was made for when we have like a lull in the day, we need some picking up and we just grab the book, ask a question and it invokes some good convo, some laughs, some stories. And it's just a nice way to take a break from staring at your screen. Yeah. And just have some fun. Yeah. I also think, uh, you know, we have new people coming into our firm mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. We have two classes this month actually coming in. And sometimes these questions are, are like icebreakers that aren't weird. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, they're ask. not like basic questions. They're like questions you wouldn't normally ask. Right. It's like not like what's your favorite thought. TV show. Yeah. It right. Inspires like a story. Right. Yeah, so yeah, last yeah. month we we did this and we made it workers' compensation related because 
you know, that's what the podcast is about, right? Mm -hmm. um, as you give me the stink eye. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do that with you guys. And we have three new questions. So I'm going to flip through this book and figure out a question on the spot that could pertain to workers' compensation. Okay. All right? All right. I'm going to do like a ripple of the page, like the mic. ASMR. Nice. <laughs> okay. I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. We're keeping that in. Okay. The first question is about what topic could you tutor someone on? Oh, I don't even think I need to change that into something workers comp related. Mm -hmm. What what do you guys feel like you could tutor something tutor someone about in our area of law as experienced paralegals? I think Marquita has a really good one. I do cuz I just I just made a post on it. I did a witness call post so I like deep dived into how to talk to witnesses, how to like begin a process of talking to witnesses, questions to ask witnesses. So I feel like I could be like a really good tutor to like get over. Because when you talk to witnesses, it's kind of jarring or daunting. Mm. And I feel like I would be a really good person to try to help make it less scary in yeah. that aspect. Because that witnesses can lead to like a big part of a, of a denial case. Yeah. So I feel like even though it's like a small aspect, it could be something that pushes a case further along. So. Right. And you've done plenty of witness yeah, calls so even solo mm -hmm. um, without an attorney present mm -hmm. uh, I have a funny story about witnesses because when I first started doing this you would see <laughs> attorneys from other firms just almost catcalling witnesses in the courtroom I mean like read off a name hope that they're there and then ask them questions on the day of the trial oh wow right mm -hmm. and uh, one of my friends, he works for National Grid, and he actually appeared on the podcast a couple of years ago, and he was a witness in a case, and he was expecting to be prepped, mm -hmm. and they were represented by one of our competitors, and he was turned off by the fact that this attorney didn't know who he was until like 30 minutes before the trial, and had to like prep him on the spot. He felt very, you know, like this was a little bit, you know... Too close to the, the call time. Yeah, minutes. that's so weird. I think building relationships with witnesses are really important. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a great like marketing statement. Like, <laughs> I think building relationships with witnesses are very important. No, they are. For, um, for like me in particular, we deal with the same people over and mm -hmm. over again. So like just being able to be like a safe place or safe person for them in this firm, for them to be like, oh yeah, I can talk to this. Or I can talk to you. Or I can get you somebody else is really good. Cool. I think you also like have to make yourself human to talk to a yeah. witness mm -hmm. because if you put yourself in their shoes, say like someone here got hurt and insurance company or an attorney's office is calling you saying like, we want to have you like testify to, scary. to what yeah. you witnessed. Like you're going to think like I'm betraying this person. Mm -hmm. Like this right. is someone I work with. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like there's so many things to worry about. So you have to like put yourself in their shoes and just make them comfortable to tell you information that they know without feeling like they're doing something wrong by telling right. you. Right. That's a great point. You're not out for just what you need. You have to understand where their difficulties lie. Yeah. Even if they don't have a friendship or a relationship with a person, mm -hmm. testifying is scary in general. Yeah. Right? So what about you, Julia? Any, any topics you could tutor someone on? 
I think this is like a new area of expertise for me, I feel. Okay. But I really feel well-versed in lit plans. Ooh. So uh, the lit plan is something that's uh, kind of at the forefront of what we provide to clients mm-hmm. when they first come in, right? We, mm-hmm. we provide uh, an overarching legal action plan with an exposure analysis within seven days of the file coming in. What, what do you like about that um, versus other things that you do? I just like being able to get a full grasp of a claim, mm-hmm. like a to go through the entire file, even if it's like only a couple emails back and forth of what we have when we first get the file, to go through all the emails, to go through everything that's in e-case, to do um, like research on what our case law is going to be for that specific claim and to like kind of brainstorm what our approach at it is going to be. I think that's like, it makes me feel like an investigator, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's really hands-on. I really yeah. love it. Awesome. Okay. That was a great start. Uh, let's let's uh, flip through the other side of this like dictionary. More ASMR. <laughs> that wasn't as good. I feel like it wasn't as good. I was like I was trying really hard. Yeah. Okay. What is heaven on earth to you? Oh, that's that's interesting. Let's just let's just imagine that we all love our job every single day, we right? Do. We do. We I do. get it. I get it. But it's okay to have an off day, right? But like heaven on earth, I don't want you guys to think that, you know, it needs to be heaven. But like what's maybe your favorite part about this job? Like or or working a case or the process. Like Julie, it's probably a legal action plan for you, kind of mm-hmm. like very similar. Are there any investigation areas, Marquita, or things um, that you would like to consider to be heaven on earth? I feel for me like heaven on earth is just when you develop the record so perfectly and so beautifully and like (laughs) you win or like if there's an appeal or there's like a hearing and like whatever we want if the case got disallowed or we were fighting for a surgery not to get approved like whenever we win that it just feels like it like makes my job more purposeful like everything I did worked out and it it could keep going some level of like fulfillment yes because there's like something right with the world right that we secured the result and i think it's always funny to talk about what we do Mm -hmm. with people outside of the (laughs) office yeah i don't know what your experiences are like but a lot of people think like i'm the bad guy yeah Yeah. i was just gonna say that Mm -hmm. and i say to them do you know those billboards that you see with attorneys out there like looking to get work mm-hmm. right in the industry we call them like ambulance chasers because like if an ambulance is around they're like running <laughs> to find <laughs> plaintiffs and claimants yeah and the idea is that it becomes so much of a burden on the system when people exaggerate all the things that they're used to doing mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not even the claimants themselves it's like they're doctors or yes. Uh, their attorneys and then sometimes the board gives them an out and it's you know when do we get an out Mm -hmm. when do we get the person back to the workforce to contribute to the economy Uh, I mean I could stand on a soapbox and talk about this for days Uh, I probably tutor someone on that (laughs) right Uh, so I get that Um, okay anything about anything else about heaven on earth 
Maybe maybe third Friday. No. <laughs> what do you mean? Like I don't know all the stuff we do. Like all well, yeah, but yeah. I thought we were talking just in case. What do you specific. mean? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like. I love third Fridays. I think that was like a huge. Like when I first started working here and Kayla, who referred me, um, told me like what goes down on third Fridays. I was like, what? (laughs) Food trucks? (laughs) And like the in the beginning, like the um, like the workshops Mm -hmm. and the training things were kind of daunting to me. I was like, I feel like I don't know anything like going into a room where like everyone is like kind of brainstorming and like throwing ideas together like if I have nothing to offer like I feel like I'm gonna feel overwhelmed but as time went on and like participating in things like that it really is like not only are you getting so much knowledge from other people because they deal with some things that you're not dealing with on a daily basis but it also feels so good to contribute yeah in something like that and to like then offer that for other people too like a pay it forward kind of thing yeah it's really cool all right so let's go to question number three uh let's hope it's a good one all right last one uh what still amazes you okay uh how do we pivot that into workers comp like i guess you know, based on what you guys know about the law or like how we do things here, mm-hmm. is there anything that could give our listenership like an inside look at some of the finer points of what we do that like still is like so amazing, still so surprising to you guys? Um, I think what's still surprising to me is that there's always new ways to learn like no matter how much we do the same things over and over again like SLU, Elwick, degree of disability it's like there's always some way to learn how to improve in every topic and you learn I, what amazes me is that you learn so much from people here like to pick it back off third Fridays like the workshops with uh, Addison the last one he did was degree of disability and before I thought I, I knew what degree disability was. Right, you think was. it's like it's just a normal topic. Right, mm-hmm. and then having that workshop with him, he broke it down so perfectly that like I have a, a whole different understanding about how to move forward with just right. yeah, with the topic. And I feel like that's so great here that I'm constantly learning and I'm never like stagnant in my job. Right, shout out Addison O'Donnell. Just, yeah, yes. He's got a name drop. <laughs> uh, not even on the show, but he's guest had a guest appearance on this many times. What about you, Julia? Anything that still amazes you? I think, like, to piggyback off of that, I think this is going to sound so scripted, but the commitment to, like, teaching and I think the environment just promotes, like, wanting to learn more and wanting to teach and wanting to help other people learn. Like, anybody who's, like higher up any higher up paralegals are always so eager to want to help people who might not have as much knowledge as them or like people you sit by are always eager to help attorneys are eager to help the workshops like there's almost there's always so much learning to be done yeah i think uh i guess like a third piggy (laughs) um 
I'm still so amazed, honestly, at our tech sometimes mm-hmm. that, you know, when virtual hearings became a thing in, I want to say, 2017 or 2018, we just reconfigured our entire tech, right? Which me- meant that when COVID happened in 2020, we just went to remote very easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our IT department is just becoming bigger to the point where we're now putting in so many different opportunities for people who are working remotely to really have the same cultural experience that the three of us have when we're in the office, right? Yeah. It kind of is really crazy. Yeah. Like from the time I started in 2021 to now, the advancements of all that stuff is right. crazy. Right. Yeah. You know, like you know, having, having like an owl yeah. in, in every room that can mimic like or, or just like mirror the sound. Mm-hmm to get people facing the camera, yeah. uh, to have all the conference rooms equipped with technology that allow for external and internal meetings. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. Uh, so just shout out to them, I guess, Seriously. too, right? Right? All right, a little clap. clap, clap. <laughs> all right. This was really fun, guys. I hope you can see that it wasn't worth being that nervous about, right? As you know, I wasn't nervous about <laughs> just talking. I was nervous about saying something I shouldn't. That's true. I, you got, or not, laughing too loud in the mic. You're not one to be nervous about talking. If there's correct. one thing I can do, it's talk. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming onto the show. Uh, so for Marquita Joseph and Julia Prisco, my name is Christian Cisan reminding you to defend from day one.